Broadcast Network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! This is Breaking Into Reality, the reality of reality TV. On Breaking Into Reality, our guests will share with us how it happened for them. How did they break into reality? Also, insider tips on how to get on reality TV show yourself. And I'm Sheila Conlon, casting director, producer of many long-running shows, such as Hell's Kitchen, Kitchen Nightmares, and also some very short-running shows, such as Utopia and I Want to Marry Harry. You can tweet me at, uh, at ConlonCoTV. And this is Tim. Tim is with the Conlon Company. He's a my development manager and producer. Tim's going to share with us Gossip Insider Tips Every week, and Tim Ferretti. Hi, Sheila. I don't think we see each other enough in the office, do you? Good <laughs> no. to be here today. Good to be here today with you. Thank you. And your Twitter? My Twitter is at TV as well. That's where you can tweet us questions throughout the show and thereafter. Great. And our special guest today is Josh Harris from the Cornelia Marie. Hey, you said it correct. Most people know set up. Yeah, Yeah. and from the Deadliest Catch. That is correct. Welcome, Josh. Well, thank you very much. And what is your Twitter? Well, my Twitter would be joshharrisdc, I believe. You know, I don't use it very often, but I try to catch up on that stuff when I'm home. I'm gone nine months out of the year, so bear with me. (laughs) So at least we know we've got something. We'll get something to you, right? Yeah, of course. Um, Or you can tweet us and we'll get it to you. Hey, that sounds like a deal. So, Josh, tell us, um, breaking into reality, so how did it how did it happen for you? Did reality find, did it find you, or did you find it? Well, uh, yeah, our job is a little off. You know, a lot of people die, and so the biggest mystery of life is death. And our boat got picked up by, you know, grabbing six dead bodies. That was our partner boat that sank. And, uh, you know, everybody heard about it, so the guys that had the cameras came over and said, hey, if you see anything cool, you know, film it, and we'll give you some money. And then the show took off. It was supposed to be a one-hour special at midnight, and it got better ratings than their prime time stuff. So it just kind of continued on from there. So basically, they found you. Yeah, but they found my dad and my brother. And then my dad told me that uh, if I wanted to have a set of Kahuna's, I needed to come back to work and uh, work for him. And so I did. And you know, now we're eight years later, and here I am. And it's kind of been a crazy ride. No kidding, eight years? 11 years on TV is what our show's been on. I've only been on the show for eight. Wow. So, okay, so reality TV for you, like you said, it it sort of found you and it found it through your dad. Mm. Um, Did you have to go through any casting process or did anybody interview you? How did it happen? Uh, I basically the way it happened is I showed up to work and they said how you doing and I said hey and then that's when it all started. I didn't really have much of a choice. Sign this piece of paper and then we're going to start filming you. Okay, that's that's pretty amazing because it usually doesn't happen that way yeah. for most people or for how we do reality. Since I've been doing it 15 years ago, 
So that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. How much uh, ship experience had you had when your dad invited you back on? I'm third generation fisherman, but I got sucked into a turbo diesel motor, just about sucked all my insides out through my left shoulder weight, so I had to take a year and a half off. It was kind of a really crappy deal. But I'm here back in full spirits, and uh, right. wow. I'm walking on both my feet, and I can use my both my arms, so I'm really excited about that. Oh, my God. Well, I think the last time I saw you was at the Reality TV Awards. Yes, indeed it was. <laughs> so Deadliest Catch won what, how many awards? We won three. And so that was pretty good. I that mean, was pretty uh, good, yeah. Won a lot of Emmys, uh, won a lot of random awards. And uh, it's kind of crazy to think that, you know, for a guy that didn't graduate high school, and that was like a punishment was to go crab fishing, uh, how it would it all turn out now? No kidding, that's not bad. You're a superstar. You're a reality star. You're famous. <laughs> it's so weird to hear, though. I just feel like, you know, I don't know. When I, I'm gone nine months out of the year, when I come home, it's like, man, you know, people want to come up and give you hugs and do all this stuff. And, you know, it, I guess I, I remember reading on the Internet a bunch of what people were saying and stuff. Like, right now, I could be impregnating a girl in New York, and I don't even know about it, even though we're in studio in L.A. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's really weird how everything works out. And, you know, it's, it's kind of different. You know, overall. But, uh, yeah, here we are. Well, you know, talking about that happening to you, you could be impregnating someone and you don't even know it. It's all about the fans, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have yeah. crazy fans. There is some crazy fans out there. You know, uh, it's uh, you just never know what you're going to get. And then somebody reads something on the Internet, they automatically assume that it's got to be real. Because right, but we like the fans. For reality TV, that's sort of, you know, it's instant stardom or, you know, that gives you ratings. And that's what helps, you know, reality TV grow. So you're pretty you're pretty high up there on the on the mark. And Yahoo did a poll um, about the favorite reality personality and your dad and it was take listed. A minute, yeah. yeah, tell me about that. Yeah, I got uh, favorite reality person of, or personality of all time. And so that was pretty cool. Um, a lot of people voted for him. Our shows in 204 countries now. And I think it's number 1 in 179 of them. So wow. we're doing okay. Uh, and it's kind of crazy to think that we have that much support, but you know, I'm not a shining beacon of hope by any means. What you see is what you get. And, you know, so it's kind of like you guys, every, people that watch our show have watched me grow mm-hmm. up. And if you think about it, when kids were watching it with their dads, now their dads watch it with their kids, yeah. which is really crazy. What is it about your father that you think resonated so much with fans that years later of him being on TV, he still won a Yahoo TV pan, uh, poll, fan voted poll? My dad had a mullet. Quite a bit. Um, no, but he was just, uh, you know, he was like the dog at the pound that you would see, and it it looks super cute. So you take it home, and you're petting it, and you're like, man, I'm gonna go get this dog some toys. You come back, it's pooped twice in your carpet, <laughs> tore up your favorite couch, and you're like, what did I get myself into? But then it gives you that look with the sideways head turn and the, the big puppy dog eyes. That was my dad. Oh, right. yeah, right. that's it. And also the show, and with, you know, even watching you on it, which I love watching you on it. I'm a fan. I'm a well, fan. Thank you. I'm a fan. <laughs> uh, it's authentic. It's genuine. And to me, I started out in reality in the very beginning. And to me, it was an opportunity to give people a chance to, you know, ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And that's what your dad did. That's what all the guys that do on the show, what you do. And it's so great to see that unravel and, and, and every day. I mean, it's the real deal. There's no, there's nothing scripted there, is there? No. No, you know, we deal, the reason I think everyone loves our show is because we deal with common day problems that everybody else deals with. And so 
you know, they get to watch the way that we encounter these problems and what we do because there is no script. It's not like Mother Nature, can we? Can you resend that rogue wave? We weren't ready to film or kill these guys or re-rip his arm off or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and we deal with the same problems, though, that everyone else does. So it's just you can relate to it. You know, it's not fluffed up. It's not like, excuse me, I didn't get this MAC makeup or my, my boob job got botched. It's, <laughs> you know, we're really fighting for survival out there, and sometimes we don't make it, and it's been proven. You know, so it is what it is, but, you know, treat every day like a gift. That's why we're always so happy and peppy and a little unorthodox in our decision-making, but, you know, we're still here. Well, good. No, I love that. And let's just do, you know, one little nice homage to your dad. Um, I guess there were some beautiful... Uh, artwork done mm-hmm. uh, with his ashes. Can you yes. tell us about that? Oh, we did. Uh, we did a couple different things. You know, we took half of him, buried him with his mom, and then uh, you know we had this awesome fuel tank put together because he was a Harley rider. You know, and he uh, yeah, you know, we just kind of dumped him off over near Priest Rock, which is a beautiful place because he always wanted to kind of be both places. So we said to hell with it. We'll stick in both places. And, uh, you know, it was uh, just a great gas tank. Michael Valley had, had done up. The guy did all the Monster Garage stuff. And an amazing artist. And it uh, was very moving, you know. We had a lot of people show like 10,000 people at his first wedding, or his first uh, funeral, as you can see. You oh, know, wow. There it is there. Yeah. yeah. No, it was, it was quite amazing. I don't know how many hours he put into that, but it was uh, definitely amazing. It was really cool. We stuffed it full of all sorts of things, you know, poker chips and this is and that. So he loved gambling. And uh, he loved Harleys, and he loved fishing, and he loved me and my brother. I'm like, God, this is like my kind of guy. <laughs> he was Harleys, cool. fishing, <laughs> poker I could do without, and I do love you. And Well, I haven't met your brother yet, so we'll see. <laughs> He's an interesting little creature. <laughs> so let's get real. Sure. Let's get real with Josh. So now, I mean, how has reality TV helped you out? How's, how's it changed your life? Well, I'm... Never have a problem getting a date. Um, oh. That's important. That's a bonus, yes. And then, Wait, uh, is there a line you use? Is there something? What do you do? Uh, I just walk in. I'm, I'm kind of retarded looking, and so I just have that lost look when I come in, and then people are like, I know you. And, you know, it's very distinct. So it works out. My but favorite. does that, it works out in your favor to get the date, but is there a lot of pressure? Once you're on the day, because you you know you're the guy on TV, or you're. I don't know. I, I just yeah. I drop it right down right then and there. Usually I'll uh, go to an arcade and want to win tickets to buy the little trinket toy. You know, and it'll break before you even leave the place, but at least you get a story behind it. Turn to a giant child, go kart racing, occasionally long walks on the beach, cartwheels, high fives, hugs. You know, random stuff. Random, but does any any of it mean anything, or is it just standard for you? Uh, No, I really like (laughs) Disneyland, though. I I really do. I'm terrified of rides. Uh, Heights really freak me out. So anything I can do to make myself look, you know, more like a child, I guess, in a sense. I love, you know, just being funny, laughing, not laughing. So are you dating now? Are you single? I uh, I actually dated a chick for about four weeks, and then she broke up with me via text and said I didn't communicate well enough. So. <laughs> yeah, it got me too. Don't you worry. I was like, wait a minute. Broke up with you on text. Oh, did you kind of like her? Uh, well, obviously, if I started dating her, yes. But yeah. I figure, you know, since I'm gone for so long, it's probably not wise to have a relationship because having a relationship with an answering machine isn't exactly fun. How many months out of the year are you gone? Well, this year coming up, um, I'm going to be gone probably nine or ten. 
Wow. So, you know, that's a lot. Oh, yeah. No, so, you know, when it comes to reality of having a relationship, <laughs> that's not a relationship that's called a prison sentence. I mean, so, you know. <laughs> it's a different show. Exactly. Yeah, right? That is a different <laughs> show. That would be actually a pretty good show. That's right. Watch- My boyfriend's in prison. <laughs> no, well, you know, at that point, it's just let's watch the ladies set, let depression set in and see what they do. Right, you know? right. I mean, that would definitely be an interesting show. So what, would, what do you think you'd be doing if you weren't on the show? Well, that is a great question. Now, <laughs> well, well, uh, <laughs> or you don't know, or maybe you don't. I mean, you have no idea because this obviously was destiny. Yeah, you know, I, I've, I'm third generation fisherman, so I really don't know. I, if I wasn't on the show, I'd still be fishing. I'm, I didn't graduate high school, but uh, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I enjoy it. I'm always on the edge of my seat. Every day is different. Did could, you ever think of something else to do? I mean, was there any other passion or, or dream that you had? Well, uh, I wanted to be a firefighter for a bit, and I was, and then that didn't work out very well. That's when I was 18. It's over at Station 4 in Glenwood Everett, oh. and Boeing Field. And then uh, that lasted not too long. I mean, I got my ears burnt in the first actual house fire I went into, and it, for $32,000 a year, that wasn't cutting it. I can make that in three weeks of fishing, so... Yeah. I was like, if I'm going to go risk my life, let's make some money doing it. Chicks right. don't dig the poor guy. So, <laughs> I mean, they dig heroes, don't get me wrong, but, you know, I like making money. I like cool stuff. Do you make a lot of money fishing? Uh, you can. Yeah. Lately, not so much for me because the boat's been breaking down, catching fire, and, you know, our crab quote has been a little low, but uh, that's all about to change. We've uh, acquired... Mm. Just about 2 million pounds in quota, so we were one of the largest catching vessels out there. So it's going to be a really big deal coming up. So I don't understand that. What do you mean? You acquired $2 million quota? 2 million pounds in quota. Okay. The government comes out with this pie. We all own a percentage of the pie. You can rent other people's percentage of the pie. Um, But, well, I went partners with a group of gentlemen. And, uh, you know, because I couldn't do this on my own. We We were flailing. And so I sold them a little percentage of of my boat and in turn they brought over their quota and so now we are going to be catching more crab than we know what to do with this is still the cornelia marie oh yeah okay all right represent represent my dad would come down come up from where he's at he would slap me with the ugly slap good and that's not pretty (laughs) okay so let's say you you weren't on deadliest catch okay what other reality show would you like you know reality's so big right now would you try out for another reality show well, you know, if there was a hot chick to go with it, I'd be naked and afraid. <laughs> but uh, I would probably get stuck with somebody that is nasty. So, you have to do that one? Uh, I would like uh, to do, like, you know, in all reality, speed vision. I think that'd be cool, you oh, know. okay. Go out and test cars. I really like driving fast. And How about Hell's me. Kitchen? Hell's Kitchen's cute. Can you, know. you cook? Oh, I can cook very well. Oh, I'd, see, I'd I probably start yelling at Gordon Ramsay and tell him he's off. He's off doing his thing. I think it would be interesting. I run a tight ship. See, that's what Tim and I were talking about that. We're like, oh, my God, if he wasn't already on a show, and if you could cook, mm-hmm. oh, I'm to could find cook out. But you know what? I would challenge Gordon Ramsay to a kitchen that moved, like being on the ocean, and let's see how much stuff he can cook. And I'll tell you what, my meals would be perfect, and I'd be yelling at him, being like, come on, don't be a pussy. Let's do this. <laughs> you know? Oh, I bet. I bet. What's your favorite dish, or what's your best dish? Uh, it depends. Depends. I like to make up pastas from scratch. Mm-hmm. You know, I absolutely love it, and they're pretty good. They're like an Italian-based pasta. Um, I love spaghetti and meatballs. I have my own recipe for spaghetti and meatballs. But my favorite dish of all time, I must say, okay. that gets the most reviews is deep-fried French toast. Ooh. All right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yum. Don't threaten me with a good time. Yeah. <laughs> my name's Josh. I like to party. 
stay the night with me and you get French toast That's in the right. morning. <laughs> and sometimes I'll even stuff it for you. you know, oh, mm-hmm. yum, yum. Oh, my good. God. All right, so I see a spinoff here. We can do this as, you know, your next We're breaking into reality, Josh's <laughs> cooking show. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what. We've come up with some pretty good stuff. i got this hard attack breakfast that's amazing. It's like uh, you take a pound of sausage, ground sausage, crisscross bacon over the top of it, put another pound over that, crisscross bacon over the top of it, roll it into a log. Then oh you put bacon over the top of that, cook it in the oven like you would cook a meatloaf. Then mm. you then you take the top off, you know, and then you got to broil it, crisp the bacon on top, and then you uh, cut up a bunch of wedges of potatoes, you know, season it, a little Italian seasoning, get some egg, you know, you can either do like, uh, <laughs> like you make a base with this potatoes, you throw egg on it, scrambled, or you can do a sunny side up, and then stick a chunk of this loaf on top of it, and voila, you've got something that is more impressive than oh. Well, Oh, my God. Well, go to uh, BreakingInRealityTV.com for the recipe. <laughs> we start putting all your recipes on there. I've got some good ones. Yeah, this is a good idea. It's a good idea. So, so what's your favorite reality show to watch? My favorite reality show? Well, I'm going to have to say the Kardashians are out. Uh, no offense. Um, Why is that? Uh, you know, just I actually like reality. You know, real, real, yeah, authentic. I, there's not too many out there right now that aren't scripted, you know. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like I think we're one of the only ones that aren't scripted. I can't really think of any of the other ones that. No, I agree with you because that's that's part of why we're doing the show too, breaking into reality and really giving, you know, the basis of what it takes to get in, you know. And we're talking about family business. Your family business is on a reality show, so other people out there that have family businesses and are thinking about breaking into reality, how would you do it? You know, and and do you do do you want to do a scripted type thing, or do you want it to be authentic? You want to hear something crazy? Yeah. My hometown, Monroe, Washington, that's where like the hometown of Dairy Gold is, Cowtown. Five of us grew up together and ended up on different reality shows. Isn't that crazy? Like we have one of my best friends. Wow. He's on Bering Sea Gold. It was Cody Moen. Grew up with me, lived at my house, and we had another guy by the name of Josh as well. He got into American Stuntman, and then there was Doctor Evil or what is it, Doctor Something's, wow, whatever, another um, Stuntman show. And one of our other buddies was on that, and then uh, we had this girl named Liz that was on um, was that American Runway Model thing, and we, we all lived together in the same house for a bit. And that was kind of crazy. But we're all from in a row. Went to school together and everything. And just as our lives progressed, got on different shows. And then we had one guy from that logger show, too. So it was kind of crazy. Great. That's all bizarre. From, like a, a thousand person high school. All of us got on all these different shows. Well, for people out there who are watching who think they would want to be on a reality show, what advice could you give them? How long did it take you to warm up to the idea when you were first approached? Were you scared? Were you nervous? And were there things that you know now? That would have made that experience a little easier or made you more prepared for it. If you get on a reality show, make sure it's scripted because that's where you make money. Okay. You have to be sag. All right. Uh, <laughs> number two, um, you know, if you feel like selling your soul to the devil, then do it. It's amazing. Uh, now, it's at the end of the day, you know, it just depends on on what you what you like. But for me, I get to be myself, so I'm no different on TV than I am right here. You know. Not necessarily the shining beacon I hope everybody expects, but hey, you know. Oh, you are. Diamond in the rough, right? Uh, but, you know, it's just, yeah, everybody's wanting wills on things. I'd recommend doing scripted because at least you're under SAG laws, I suppose. And no, I don't think it's, it's, it's not under SAG laws, but you're right. I think you said it. It's you sell your soul. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a deal. It's mm-hmm. a deal you make. It's yes. like, okay, this is what we're going to do, and we're going to tell you how to do it. And if you're willing to put it all out there, 
completely on it, you know, put me in a cage and tell me to bark like a dog, I'll do it, and you'll get paid, you know, $3 million an episode. So, great. Well, that would be awesome if it worked that way. <laughs> Shit, I wouldn't have to worry about fishing then. <laughs> Man, $3 million an episode, I'll tell you what, I would be laughing all the way to the bank. I would bark like a dog. But uh, the reality is that doesn't happen. You know, right. like, um, and everybody thinks there's all this big money. Well, corporate can, controls everything, and they take the big sponsorships and everything like that, and then they tell you who you can talk to, who you can't talk to. And what you can do and what you can't do. And so, you know, it's it's different. You know, like for us, it started off and it was a small show that turned into this worldwide event. And no one ever saw it coming. And our ratings are up by 16%. So it's like even after 11 years, they still want more, which is quite odd. You mm-hmm. know, and but what you get with us, though, is authenticity. You know, we're real people and you get to see our day-to-day life, which is you know, pretty bizarre. Well, yeah, which I think is what, more what people want. I mean, because I know from the beginning... You know, watching real people do real things and are competing, competing against each other. That was exciting. And it was relatable. And it gave people, you know, courage to go, I could try that or I could do that. Or, you know, looking at you guys, that's very heroic and you're out there, you know, facing danger. That, to me, is what reality TV is. Mm-hmm. And, and what's interesting is in, in Deadliest Catch... Nature or Mother Nature is almost a character in and of itself that cannot be scripted and right. it cannot be produced. She's evil, She's <laughs> heartless, heartless, you know what? And uh, you know it's it's <laughs> yeah, it, it's painful. And shipmen have a different relationship with the idea of nature than most people in this world. Uh, I'll tell you what. I'm, yeah, I wish she was nice, but unfortunately, yeah, she's terrible. That's another story for another time. <laughs> So what what else is in it for you right now? Because you're still going strong on reality. You're still going to be on a show. You still have the boat. But what about, you know, I always talk about building your brand. Building a brand, you know, that's what reality TV is a lot for family businesses or anyone who's an expert who has something that they want to build. So at this point, for you, I mean, are you thinking about that? Do you have ideas of what you want to do to build a brand? That is a great question, and I do not have a great answer. I mean, I would love to. You know, there's a lot of things I would love to do. Um, you know, obviously fishing is it's such a challenge for me. I'd like to see, you know, other other aspects of the, the industry. You know, I think that would be a lot of fun. I um, mean, you must get approached. Have you, haven't you gotten approached by a million people to do something? Yeah, there's, there's been a lot of different, you know, things that obviously I can't do due to the contract I'm in. But, you know, like if I go to do anything else outside of this, it would hurt the validity of the show. You know, and so that is something that, you know, is kind of important. You know, and that's mm. why we people watch us is because we're real people and we're not actors. And right. We're not so you're saying you're, you feel like you're constricted right now because of the contractual agreement? Yeah. You know, I, I, I got to continue doing my job, which I love doing my job. But, you know, that's the reason that it's the hardest job in the world and we all want to get out of it eventually. You know, but right now it suits me well. You know, when this is done, you know, like uh, the show's done. Um, and I feel like I'm done fishing. I've accomplished my goal of getting the boat out there and making sure that it runs and we make money and doing what I set out to do for myself. Uh, then, you know, maybe I'll have an opportunity to do other things. And that would be awesome. I think it would be a lot of fun just to try something new. And would I go back to fishing? Probably. You know, but for right now, I think if I have the opportunity to do something, I might do it. I mean, I kind of see, you know, Kelvin Klein model billboards. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cute. But there you go. <laughs> Something like that, you know. So I have a question for all of our um, enthusiasts out there who might want to get into this line of work. 
What is the secret to a good hook throw? Uh, a good <laughs> hook throw. Well, uh, first off, being able to be right-handed. Um, oh, yeah. I'm left-handed, and so I had to reteach myself how to throw right-handed. And uh, other than that, being strong and stupid. That's about it. Strong and stupid. Okay. Why? What is the, what is the, well, the strong gives you the, the oomph? I got to think about this. Everybody hears about these man of war jellyfish, right? You know, we get like 15 pounds worth for every knot that is on a crab line. There's usually four or five of those. So when those hit the block, that's the thing that pulls the pot in. It explodes over your face. So by the end of the day, you've been stung so many times by these jellyfish that your eyes swell shut. So when I say you got to be tough, you know, that's one of the things. And, you know, failure is saying, oh, I hurt. Oh, I can't see. It's like, no, you just keep going. Like My eyes have swollen shut multiple times from that. And it's not fun. It's like 50 bee stings every time one of those hits your face. And if you whine about it, then you're a whiner. It's like, get out of here. And you lose all respect. You break a finger, you duct tape it up, and away you go. You don't bitch about it. You know, it's just consistently, you know, being tough and stupid. I mean, that's what fishing is. I should have stayed in school. You know, so to all the kids out there, or people that are thinking about wanting to be crab fishermen, go back to school. My job really does suck. Yeah, that's that's intense. It's a little weird. Yeah, Not for no the week. Kidding. Yeah, no kidding. Are you ready to go try it, Tim? I would give it a whirl. <laughs> I think it's a lot of learning on the job, though. I might be a little behind the boat. If you yeah. mess well, up, so to speak. Yeah, if you mess up, you're killing yourself or the guy working next to you. Yeah, and that's uh, and most people start y- younger, right? I mean, it's like something you're brought up in. How old are you now? I mean, do I have to say that? No, 30. You're 30. I'm 30. Yeah, I'm 30. In crabbing years, you're like 75. Yeah, that's so, what I figured. You know. yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, you're retired. I'm retired. <laughs> I'm near retirement, huh? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I do have a question, though, about uh, something uh, piggybacking off what Sheila said. So many people go into reality TV for branding purposes, for maybe elevating their profile or their company's profile. Does that apply to um, being on the deadliest catch, does that have a, a same net effect on the recognition of uh, Cornelia Marie and your your boat? I, 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 part of that kind of touches on like the landscape of how your business works, I guess. Well, you know, they're like the bigger companies control a lot of the stuff, so maybe we don't get that opportunity like everyone else would, you know. And they keep this show authentic. You know, if all of a sudden we show up and our boat looks like a NASCAR, you know, <laughs> it's not gonna not gonna be working out too well, you know. And that's where the validity of the show comes in. And they've done a good job in receiving a lot of money for for doing that. They have, and we because if, if we made a bunch of money, you got to think about this. There's a, there's a really big storm. Be like, oh, we're not going out in that. We make too much money. Like I don't uh-huh. want to get anybody hurt, you know. But if they pay us just a little bit, and we're not allowed to do these big endorsement deals. Well, then it's like we still have to go out and fight for that money because that is our main source of income, you know. And it's not like that's what I'm saying. I wish I got three million dollars an episode. I'll tell you what, <laughs> I would be tickled pink. Right, right. But I guarantee you, I wouldn't be going out in the big waves and risking my guys' lives, you know. And so that's you know a very fine line on that, and that's just the way it works. But hmm. you know, we're still here, and everybody's still watching because we still have to go out and earn our money. Well, you're still doing the real thing. I mean, it's like you can't change that. No. It's something that we often talk about in casting is stakes. 
And that's kind of what he's touching on, is that the stakes must exist for the show to have that same yeah. pulse and, and life. Well, and everybody would know, if we were making all this money and we're not trying as hard, it would it'd be the deadliest flop then. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know I keep right. hearing, I remember reading on Google, someone was like, I know the real story behind it. It's all green screened in California. I was like, man, God, that would be great. I would love it. Yeah, to, we could do that. An eight-hour like, film Some sesh and then go out to the beach, do some surfing. I think that'd be fantastic. But... Now, are the shooters and the production team also in the line of fire and danger? Right. I mean, every second we're up, yeah. they're up. Every step of the way we go, you know, they go. And especially when something bad happens, they got to be right there to cover it. And, you know, sometimes it gets really uncomfortable with them, like an argument breaks out in the boat. And then they got to hop in and ask questions while this argument's going on and someone's getting ready to, you know, throw blows, you know, and that can turn into a really bad situation. You know, a lot of camera guys get punched during the season. You know, because you're crammed onto a little boat with eight or nine dudes, and everyone's got a problem. Say somebody's wife cheats on them, and they get a call home, and all of a sudden they're in a bad mood, and then somebody else's, you know, daughter's in the hospital at the same time. And then we're working long hours. Our average workday is 36 hours on, four hours off. You know, and you're pushing something that weighs as much as a car, you know, and when that boat lifts up, that's a lot of weight. That's like four times that weight. You know, and if somebody's mind isn't in the game, then someone's going to get really hurt or they're going to kill themselves or the guy working next to them. So then there's a guy like me that's got to come in and rationalize all this stuff, be their mother, their father, you know, their coach, their therapist, everything. And it's, it's very, very difficult. And, um, and then you got the camera guys. And they're like, hey, dude, so uh, how do you feel right now? <laughs> it's like, how do Over I feel? Here. Yeah. yeah. Do you see what's going on? How do you think I feel? Yeah, this is so crazy because everything you just described is what we dream of for creating shows. I mean, literally, it's like if, you know, people try or people, producers, have literally tried to create those moments to happen. God, wouldn't it be great if, you know, the daughter was in the hospital or the wife cheated or we could do this, mm-hmm. you know, and all of those great things that push all our buttons. But it's actually happening to you guys. Yeah. No, and then we're confined. You know, it's right. not like, oh, I'm going to go home and go check on this. i got to leave work right now. You're stuck. Yeah. We're 300 miles out, you know, where it's not fit for man nor beast. And that's the only thing that's on your mind for 36 hours straight. I mean, you imagine how people must feel. And it's not... Then you want to call home to get answers, and no one's answering the phone. And then you got to get back out on deck, and all that the whole time you're out there, you're just thinking about, man, what is going on at home? And you can't stop work, right? You know, right. You keep going. God, that's crazy. So it's a strange parallel because in in the world of reality, you know, for our shows like Hell's Kitchen or Survivor, um, even American Idol, you know, you get sequestered. So everybody knows. So as you're going to go on to the show, part of the deal, you have to go away and stay for however many weeks that you're in the game. Mm-hmm. You don't get to call home. You don't get to talk to you know any of your friends. You can't read the newspaper. This is like you guys have like created the exact model of how everything else has been been shot and done. But you're actually that's the real that's deal. The life that's the life we live. It's but, not even a model. It's just the way right, that life is. Right. And, and even in those extreme conditions and unique conditions to, to deadliest catch, there are still like universal stories that are being told. And that's what's been interesting about your and your family's arc in the story and what you guys have, you know, what, what they've told about you and, and what the viewers have seen. But so what is your proudest moment on on the show? My proudest moment on the show. Getting the boat back, probably. 
You yeah. Know? I mean, that was, uh, everyone said that it was impossible to get the boat, and much less even if I did get it, it would be impossible to make it a successful operation because the last, I don't know, seven or eight boats that have tried to come in have all failed. And those guys were guys that have been in the industry for 20-plus years as skippers, dead quota, and it just didn't work out. Um, so for me to do this with nothing and beg, borrow, and do whatever I had to do to get everything together and get people to believe me, you know, and and back me up, you know, just for the little favors of littlest things, just in getting bait or fuel or whatever, you know, uh, it, it's all come together. And now after years of, you know, working my tail off and getting to this point, now we have like the largest quota out of the whole Bering Sea for a catcher boat that's owned it privately. And like, we're actually going to be doing really well. I mean, we just renovated the whole boat, made it better and more technologically advanced than it's ever been, and it's one of the most technologically advanced boats now out there. Safest, largest, and then there's little old me. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to be driving it and the youngest skipper in the Bering Sea. So, you know, there's a lot to what's going on, and it's a lot of pressure, and I'm scared. But then I know what I'm doing, and I'm going to get out there, and I'm going to do it. Yeah, that so. was a cool moment when they brought and you came back and setting the Cornelia Marie back on uh, back on the sea, and the guy who was training you said he was going to train you to be skipper. He said, you know, there's a fine line because he owns the boat and he's going to be skipper now too. Mm-hmm. Was that an interesting process to be trained to to fill that role as no, well? It's quite weird. Yeah. You know, because uh, you know during that learning process, it was kind of like you know nobody can yell at me. I can yell at them, but is it right for me to yell at them because they can't yell back at me? You know, and because I'm the owner too, so it's like it's really odd. You know, and it, it was a very interesting learning curve. But you know, now that uh, things are starting to get on point, and I've been upstairs for long enough, it's like we'll see what happens. You know, I want to do everything the safe way and make sure it's you know I don't kill anybody and you know knock on wood wherever it may be. <laughs> but, Anywhere, yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's my goal: safety first, you know, always, and do things as professional as I possibly can. So who who are you gonna who are you gonna bounce things off of? I mean, if you're just up there, you're the captain, you're the only one making decisions. Do you get to confer with anyone? Well, I'm gonna call you. What should I be doing at this point? That's right. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> okay, Josh, listen. This is what we're gonna do. <laughs> How many camera guys are up there right now? Yeah, okay, right. this is what I think should happen. No, uh, you know, it's. You just have to go on your own instinct, and that's what it's about, being a captain, you know, is is what makes the guys good, the greats, you know, is you just go off your own instinct, and, you know, probably eight out of ten times you strike out. I mean, for every full pot we pull, you have to pull 100 blanks first. So every time you see all these guys pulling these full pots up at the gate, yeah, that's BS. Ah. So, I mean, very rarely does that ever happen. Right, right. I mean, we've been known to do it, though. What is it like when you get a pot full of do you guys call them dirty crabs? Yeah, that's the biggest disappointment. That's like when you get the really big Christmas present, and it's like a, a thing of Tic Tacs in it. It's like, you know, that huge six-foot <laughs> box, and it's got the cool bow, and you're like, oh, and then you get up there, and you unravel it, and it's really light, and you're like, what? You cut into it, and then it's a little box, <laughs> and then it's that little box. It's a thing of Tic Tacs. You want to talk about a letdown. Yeah, right. Oh, no. I can give you another analogy, but I don't think it's appropriate. <laughs> You know, I actually think Sheila, of all people I know, could survive on, on that boat. You do? Yes. Hey, she is. Yeah. She is so. tough. 
Yeah, I'm not here That's to argue. That. <laughs> yeah, it's your yeah. birthday today, though. Too. That's right. It's it my is your birthday. birthday. Yeah, yeah. Turning 29. I'm so proud I of you. I know. 29. I can't wait for 30 next year. This is it. My last year, the 29th. No, you know, I think I could. I grew up in Minnesota, and I grew up fishing. I can, you know, I can catch it. I can put the worm on. <laughs> I can put that worm on. I can catch it. And then I can take it up to the table and I can gut it and clean it. Really? The only thing I can't do is cook it. I'm not that great at cooking. Okay. Then I can eat it. Really? (laughs) You like fish? Love fish. See, fish is bait to me. That's why I hate my friends. Like, hey, you want to go get sushi? I'm like, yeah, that's bait. Like, you know. Oh, that's right. I never thought about that. Yeah. You know how much fish I have to kill here just in order to catch a stupid crab? Not a very, very important crab, I guess. Right. They're not stupid. No. Remember, I only catch crab on the ocean and not on land. Nobody likes that guy. So I just have to add that in there because <laughs> people start to, that it could be listening or like, what? what's this guy talking about? about? Right, right, right. What is that? Mm-hmm. No, but it's, I don't know. I would try it. Uh, that would be interesting. I would give you about 15 minutes. <laughs> but I heard, too, there's a new girl on a boat, right? Isn't there uh, somebody, the new green horn or something? Yeah, or? I, I think Keith, uh, Keith <clears throat> brought a green or a girl out. I, I actually, I, I just met her for the first time a couple weeks ago and uh, she had been a fisherwoman for a long time doing salmon stuff. Mm-hmm. And I heard she did okay from some people. And then, uh, you know, other people, it was like, eh, you know. Is it kind of like women in the military? Uh, Do they belong there? It's just, you know, they, the upper body strength, you know, it's like women can push around pots, you know, because they have a lot of leg power. But, you know, 60% of the deck work is lifting 70 to 80 pounds per arm. And you do that for 36 hours straight, 36 to 90 hours straight, and you'll watch people crack real fast. And so, you know, women aren't known for a lot of upper body strength. And if they are known for it, they're usually got a bigger beard than me, and uh, (laughs) their name is Helga. And they're what? Their name is Helga. (laughs) And they're from Norway (laughs) or Germany. Yeah, yeah. Anywhere where there's just big women. (laughs) Exactly. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Tim, I don't know. Maybe I should try it. 15 minutes, though? That's I, I what give you give me? 15 minutes. <laughs> I think 15 minutes would be appropriate. I could see you out there dressed up like a little rubber ducky. And, <laughs> and you'd watch one of those waves that's about 40, 50 feet. It would suck your hat right off your head, and you'd just watch it go curling up. I'd probably in the water. go flying into the water. Can't you bring her heels? Yeah. <laughs> that, no, that would be entertaining. <laughs> right. Let's make some TV. That's right. Heels on a boat. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. Heels on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe once you're on the dock. <laughs> when you're pulled in, we could do that. Touche. Yes, exactly. So, what do we have next, Tim? What is on our agenda for breaking into reality? Well, now I think it's time to hear some tips from from you on this kind of general topic of uh, of family businesses on TV okay. and what makes for a good uh, subject matter. And of course, we'd love mm-hmm. you to, to your input sure. on how how we go how we, how you would advise people who are looking to do this sort of thing. Right, and we sort of touched on that a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, earlier. But it is so different. But I, I truly believe. Your type of family business, I mean, to me, that's what I'm looking for. I want the real, authentic, I want to be able to capture what it's ha- what's happening at that moment, not, oh, let's do this over here, or let's move over here, now we restage that. And this. It's and most people think, because they have a family business and there's some drama, or this one doesn't get along with this one, that all of a sudden, it's like we should be on TV. Mm-hmm. And I always, you know, I get the phone calls, you get the phone calls. It's like, no, it has to be more than that. Yeah. You know, it definitely has to be more. And some of my tips, you know, if you're thinking about it to break into reality with the family business, I mean, number one is uninhibited. 
you know, you have to, and every single person in the business, and you know this really well, you have to know that no matter if the cameras are rolling or not, you have to let it all hang out. Yeah. Everything that means your personal life, what's going on in the business, what are you making? The bo- I mean, every single thing has to be an open book, mm-hmm. and you can't hide like, oh, oh, today I'm not going to talk about this, or you know, I'm not going to get up today and go to work. No, you have to just let everything hang out, right? That's correct. You know, and that's that's one of the hard parts. It's like you know, a lot of times we go out in public and people ask me about my my past, you know, and what what happened. My dad died and stuff, and it's like you know. You know, the the drug use throughout my family and, and this and that, you know, and it's like I talk openly about that stuff because, well, we just wrote a book, you know, too long ago, the Captain Phil Harris book, and that pretty much states everything in it, you know, and talks about everything we did. And people are like, Shh, you shouldn't say that to strangers. I'm like, what you don't get is that it's already been said, and it's been said to hundreds of millions of people, so it's not like it's a big shocker, right. you know. And then a lot of times, you know, uh, you know, take the punches that come with it, though. So say you do get on reality TV. And, you know, people have their own ideas. You know, if you don't shake someone's hand right or you give somebody a hug and then they're like, they think that you're in love with them and they're like, okay, take my number. And you're like, no, I'm cool. All of a sudden on the Internet, you're somebody that has done something amazing. And you wake up in the morning and people are writing all sorts of stuff about you. You know, or, you know, and you we're sitting here and people in New York are shaking hands. And when it comes to family businesses, though, it's like, you know, with ours, it works. Because we started early on, you know, mm-hmm. we were one of the pioneer shows for, you know, jobs and TV. Right, right. And, you know, we have a lot of death and mayhem and a huge budget for being able to capture all this stuff. You know, I mean, a lot of times people try, everyone's kind of abused this whole job thing from walking pets. I mean, there's a pet walking show now. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, what? How what, exciting yeah, is that? This dog just took two dumps in one block. I mean, there's the whole episode. It's like, <laughs> what? what is going on? You know, and it's kind of just turned into something else. And then you get the shows that are reality-based, but they're scripted so hard and it's so bad, it just kind of gives a bad name to it, you know, to reality TV in general. You know, and so I think that I mean the only ones that the other ones that that sort of worked is Pawn Stars. That's a family business. Mm-hmm. You really see what they're doing day to day. It's factual. You know, though, too. it's you know? people are coming in. They're doing it's the cast of characters that, that are buying and selling, and then they they're you know they just do what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know the Duck Dynasty guys. That one lasted. Is it still even going? I don't. You know, it is still yeah. going. Mm-hmm. It is, is it really? still going. Just yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah, so but, you know, and that one was strange. It's like if they just would have let them be who they were. I think that would have been a really I, cool show. I do, too. When I mean, you watch like, him walk in, he's like, uh, so <laughs> what's going on today? And then they're like, they, you just look. I was like, man, that is so scripted. Yeah. You know? it, well, it was also a lie. Hmm. I mean, it was straight up. They were putting them in the camouflage crazy outfits when they actually wear polo shirts and shorts, you know, in their day to day. So it's like to me, it's like just. <laughs> doing what they do and in where they live, there's going to be interesting stuff to see. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, why make it something that's not? Yeah, well, you know what? It made a lot of money. You know yeah, what I mean? It did. And they did too. And, and it was their, gimmicky. All their products that they had out there probably soared. You know, so I mean, from a marketing standpoint, I guess that was a big success. Yeah, yeah it was a gimmick. <laughs> it made the money, but then I think now it's just it's. I think the audience feels lied to a little bit. You mm-hmm. know, it's kind of like or duped. It's like, wait a minute, what what happened here? It got a little weird towards the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. So the beard <laughs> thing came back. It's still here, apparently. You know, I've been noticing that a lot. But uh, yeah, and then you know the other one, like I'm going to say it wrong. The Dugers. 
Duggars. Duggars, I always what, say. What, no, I remember hearing about something about this <clears throat> this group yeah. of people. Something weird happened recently or something. Now that's like that's not a family business, but it well, it sort of is. It's the family. It's the family because they had like twenty one kids. What? Nineteen. Nineteen kids. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like from the same couple? Yes. They yeah. belong to what's called Quiverful, which is like a oh, religious man. sect. That chick trying to ever get a date. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So yeah, so that's sort of a <laughs> oh but you know, there's crazy push, stuff that happened on that. Nineteen team. kids out of one yeah. person? Uh, yep. Yep. But yep, viewer, yep. viewers must come up to you and think they know you oh, a lot god. about you. They don't think they don't look at you as a stranger. Yeah. Oh, like <laughs> 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 that was a segue. That's right? a really interesting segue. <laughs> wow, that's He's his own talk show right that. there. I mean, that. yeah, down in what Tennessee, show. Kentucky. I yeah, forget. right, right, right. <laughs> so, so yeah, so going back into breaking into reality and the tips that I just blew his mind. Um, well, the other thing is re- relatable. You know, you have to be relatable. So, if it's a business like you guys, it's not completely relatable to people that they're out there on a big fishing vessel and doing it, but that's relatable in a sense that they know about it. It's it's a craft. It's a job. Well, I think the main thing is the outreach we've got is from the same problems. Like everyone this day and age is having problems with, you know, family members that get addicted to drugs or a parent that's dying related. or, you know, like tough situations, you know, being put into a position before you're actually possibly ready for it, you know, and what do you do? Where do you get the strength from? You know, how do you figure out how to believe in yourself? All these things are common day problems that everyone has. And it seems to be every year that goes by, more and more people are getting addicted to, to random substances that are tearing each other's lives apart. And, you know, especially significant others or people are dying around you, you know, and it's like, you know, as technology has advanced, we have become less social on a lot of aspects because we can look everything up on our phones. We don't have to talk to anybody. We just get online, look up YouTube. Right. And so it's like, you know, dealing with problems. We're still in the dinosaur age way out there, and so we have to deal with things head on. You know, and a lot of people don't know how to do that anymore. Yeah. You know, no, it's like I'll send right. a text, and a text is emotionless. We deal with things head on. I yell at my brother. He yells at me. I yell at my guys, or somebody else yells at me. And it's just raw emotion that's head on. And, you know, a lot of people are losing that this day and age, and they don't know how to deal with it. No, you're right. Those are great things that are relatable because if you're going through a divorce or, you know, because it's really happening. So people want to see that. That's what they're drawn into. Even the dating shows, even the competition shows, it's like, okay, I could do that, or I've been through that, or I felt that way. No, that's a good one. Um, the other one's characters, personality. I mean, you have to have an opinion. You have to be, con- you know, have conviction for what you're doing and what you say. Can't be a pushover. Yeah. You know, like we do um, Kitchen Nightmares with Gordon Ramsay, and I tell the restaurant owners, it's like, well, if you're going to be a pussy and and just say yes to any anything that Gordon says, I go. Well, why do I want you on the show? Yeah. Why does he want to help you? He doesn't want to help someone who's just going to roll over. Yeah. He wants to know that you you know you're struggling for your business. You're afraid of losing it, but you know what you want. It's yours. You got to own it. So it's that you know people to stand up and not be afraid. Mm-hmm. Um. Then what's the other thing? Oh, the journey. You know what are we going to see? The struggles on the way, you know, because if you're starting a business, where do you want to end up? You want to end up with the biggest crab load, right? Yes. Coming in. So that's your... Well, now it's just that, you know, the fact is, is where do I want to be? I want to be successful in being able to catch this crab. You know, it's taken me years and years and years now to get to the point where I'm at. Never thought it would happen, actually. This is, I've gone and exceeded what I thought I could do at my best level. 
And now the biggest thing is, can I actually follow through and do it? Because now this could be the biggest flop ever, you know. Right, and that's reality. that's that that st- the stakes. Mm-hmm. There has to be some sort of stake, and you have to be willing to fail, succeed, and well, try. But with this specific situation, if I fail, then four people are going to be broke in a joke. My kids' kids will be broke. <laughs> you know, it's like that's how bad this will be. Well, you're not going to fail. No, I don't fail. No, I'm going to come and help you. Oh well, thank you. I told you. <laughs> in my time of need, I'm phoning. Fifteen a minutes from me, I will be there. There's going to be a little no, red no. button, <laughs> and I'm going to hit that button. I'll be like, I got to make that executive call. Ah, good, good, good. All right, so I think we have to start into. Well, I did. We also. Well, before wanted, that, yes, I had a quick sudden death trivia question. So let's. Dun, dun, which dun. I love. <laughs> Let's see what you both know about our subject matter today. Oh. My question is, how much does one crab pot weigh? Oh, wait a minute. I'm not going to know that. Now, does this have line in it, or is it just a crab pot? With line in it. That Yes, with line in it. That's the one I know. Well, of course you're going to know that. I don't know that. All right, I'm going to guess. I'm going to say, because you sort of said something earlier, um, 65 pounds. 65 pounds. That's a that's a, as much as a buoy weighs. Uh, that's cute. She's then almost really, there, right? She's, then, she's warm. Yeah, oh shit, I'm really off. Okay, well, that's it. That's it. All right, your turn. About eleven hundred pounds. Oh, okay. I'm way off. I'm way off. And how about without line and buoy? How about eight hundred? Ding. We don't have a sound effect. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, both were correct. That's exactly eight hundred pounds without the lines and buoys, and then with line and buoy, it is eleven hundred pounds. So these are. If you're thinking visually, this is the those huge giant things filled with crabs that they're pulling up off the size, off the boat. Size of oh. a car. Okay, yeah. okay. Yes. Well I didn't know that one. Okay. Uh, and oh, since you threw out a question, all right, I'm gonna throw one out to you two. Oh. All right. So can either of you there's two questions. What was the first reality show I ever did? Survivor? No, maybe? No. Nope. Okay. I mean, do you want me to say the right answer? Because I, I know it. <laughs> All right. Yep. There it is. <laughs> it's Bachelorettes of Alaska. Oh, <laughs> that would have been an interesting one. Yeah. Oh. Oh. oh you would have been perfect for that. You one. would have been fantastic on that one. Oh my gosh. Well, I think we're getting ready to wrap it up. That was quick already. Oh my gosh. So, if you think. Or if you have any questions, or if you want to break into reality, send us an email at T-R-O-R-T-V at theconlincompany.com. Great. Send us all your emails. and Tweet us at conlincotv.com. Instagram us at conlincotv. And Facebook us at The Conlin Company. So thank you so much. Yeah, that was really impressive. And our website is TROTV.com and theconlincompany.com. All right. And, yeah, tweet us to find out who our guest will be next week. And we want to thank you, Josh, for being with us. And we look forward to seeing you on the big screen. Hey, I'll be there eventually. (laughs) Thank you, Josh. And remember, this is Breaking Into Reality. And we want to know what your story is and why you want to break into reality. We're here to help. See you next week. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.